1: To let everything that have breath. Praise the Lord. For the rest of them, we'll call the mark. But if you have breath, you're to praise the Lord. Huh? Now I told them this morning, I said the reason why the music's loud, if it bothers you, I'm sorry, but that's for people like me who can't sing, so that I don't mess you up, and then you need a healing, maybe an inner healing, if you hear me. <laughs> Amen. If it's loud enough, I think I, even I can sing after it. <laughs> I didn't say you were convinced. I just said sometimes it convinces me that I can. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, you know, the Bible says everyone should praise the Lord, right? Now, He did say everyone should record, but everyone should praise the Lord. Can we, without music right now, just praise Him from the depths of our heart? You know, that would mean more to him because I don't know if that song is still in the top 20 or top 10, but that really doesn't impress the Lord. You know, he's never heard a musician on earth and went, wow. Right? So the only thing that you can give God who owns everything is something that he doesn't have unless we give it to him and that's your worship. He already owns everything. Right? So let's give him what no one can give him but you. Oh, you are awesome. You are glorious. You are wonderful. You are majestic. You are beautiful in all of your ways. And we praise the beauty of who you are and the wonders of your person and the beauty of your holiness. Oh, petarabosite. Kitoramosite. Bre soloramosite, imbrositeraba. To the glory of God, to the glory of God, to the glories of our God, to the magnificence of his person, who he is, the creator, wonderful father, glorious one. All magnificent one. Oh, we ascribe glory and honor and praise to you. Let our praise come before you as the sweet smelling savor that only you can smell. And you enjoy the fragrance which rises into the throne room right now. And so we enjoy you. We enjoy you. For you are here. We enjoy your presence. Oh, we enjoy. We enjoy. We enjoy. We enjoy you. Because you are here with us and among your people. We know you're within us, but you're here among your people. And you shall speak and you shall declare tonight. And we shall receive and we have prepared our hearts And we have already determined, sir, before the word is spoken, yes, we shall receive your word. With glad tidings and with thanksgiving and praise, we thank you for what shall be. For it has already been determined and it is in the now. So we take it as in the now. Praise God. But you didn't come to see me, I know that. Praise the Lord. So we're going to. Change right now. Amen. If you need to get rid of something, why don't you get rid of it now? Sometimes you just do to shake it off. Hmm. You know, when I 20-something years ago when I was start, got into ministry and I was shocked i ever pastor a church. But I was more shocked when I had to do it at my first funeral. And I thought, I'd like to die myself than do this today. <laughs> I was terrified. Yeah. I, I don't particularly like them now, to be honest with you. But... Um, I remember just I was getting ready and I was putting my suit on and I'm thinking, Oh gosh, here we go. I wish I'd have paid attention in Bible school to this part. (laughs) (laughs) Matter of fact, I remember putting my head on the desk and I said, I'll never pastor, so I'm gonna take a nap for this hour or two. (laughs) Well, it didn't work out that way for me. So I remember putting my suit and my tie on, and I had all this feelings. You ever had feelings? Yeah, sometimes the church sings that old song, feelings, is the motto of the church. It's not, you know, those song feelings, nothing more. Well, that's not our motto. But I remember just like a switch. And I said, Eric West, you're called of God and you're anointed of God, and you're going to go help this family. You're going to bring comfort and peace, and you're going to speak the word of God over Lord. these people. And I remember just like a switch. I said, so that's what we're going to do. So whatever's been dogging you today or this week or whatever or says it's not going to change? Pfft. Huh? Huh? And I care, but I'm not taking the care. Did you know this difference? We care. We do care. I do care. But I'm not taking that care. Amen. I don't care. Huh? Do you care? Why would you care? So let's just cast it right now. If you're if you're a fisherman, right? What would you do if you was fishing right now? Load your load your hook up with your all your cares, right? Come on, we're not going forward. You do this. If I send Brother Matt and believe out there to sit on you there, you, get it ready. Got all your cares, all of them. You ready? One, two, three. One, two, three. <laughs> No, you didn't do it right. See, you're supposed to throw your whole fishing pole too. Ready? One, two. Now, where's all your cares? They're gone, right? And so God has posted a no fishing trespassing sign there, so don't you go back there. Amen? We're ready. Praise God.
2: Good evening. It's great to be with you, and I'm so delighted to... See so many good friends and Anybody that knows me For any length of time Knows I am a great family man I love my family And I want my family always around me And thank God they are They're all very close to me and We do lots together I grew up with a family like that My whole family is probably I don't know, 50 or 60 of us now and we all live within a couple of miles of each other. And the whole family every year gets together once or twice, you know, and not just for weddings and funerals, but to... For... Brother Ron, nice to see you. You crept in. How did you creep in? I didn't feel that anointing creeping in. I, uh... But we have uh, reunions, you know, we're gathering together, and uh... I get so excited. I don't know why, but I get so excited... When I know I'm going to see my brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, my nephews, my nieces, and not just my brother, not just my sons and daughters and grandkids, you know, but the whole wild of, and I have such a fine time with it, you know, and I, we don't have it long enough, you know, because you can't get around everybody and share with everybody. And at the end of the evening, I'm just saying, ah, oh, God, that is just too quick. Do you know that? We should have that same capacity and same response about the body of Christ. Because one day in heaven, we won't be separated. We won't be in different locations and hiding behind the walls of an, and a name that separates us or a, or a sense, sense of theology. Now, don't pick me up and think I'm saying bad theology is good. No, I'm not saying that at all. It's just none of us got perfect theology. None of us got perfect and full understanding. God gave uh, John understanding that he never gave to me and I need John and John needs me and and he did it with Brother Ronald He's put something in Kristen even that, that I shouldn't say even should I that's bad you know just saying that it's not in leadership but God's given Kristen a revelation that nobody else in this room has got because God gives every, every one of his children an ability to see something in him that's unique and I need Christian to express that to me. I need to see it coming out of her life. And the only way I can do that is when I'm with her, when I'm listening to her, when I'm watching her, when I can see what she's doing when she's worshiping Jesus. And I think I've always had that passion to see the body of Christ worship. So when different streams are in a building at the same time, even if it's only for a couple of hours, I get excited. Because it's a foretaste. It's a foretaste. And I believe when we have those moments, something happens in the spirit realm. And I I tell you, something unique is about to happen in Alabama. It is Something incredible is about to happen in Alabama. You stand on the crest of something that's going to swamp you. It's going to push you to places you never dreamt you were going to go to as a state. Amen. And I believe the Holy Spirit is setting the whole body of Christ up to say, you know, there's nothing more important than being together to worship God. A couple of years ago, my kids were all going through real financial difficulties, just a season that families can go through sometimes, and they were really struggling financially. And I can remember my daughter and my son, both independently, not knowing the other one was doing the same, coming to me and Looking at me and saying, I'm so sorry. We just don't have anything to give you. We don't have the finances, you know. It's just, we would like to spoil you, but we just don't have it. And I said, are you in my house? Are you sitting at my table? Are you going to spend the whole weekend with me? And they went, yeah. I said, well, there's no greater gift you could give me. Amen. There's no greater gift that you could give me, Brother Ron. Than being here tonight That means so much to me I pray for your ministry Gwenda and I pray for your ministry On a regular basis In fact I promoted you this last week In one of my emails Sent out to a church Asking them to help you Because I tasted of your spirit When we first met And I love spending time with you I was delighted to see Pastor Michael here tonight And Deborah and John and Betty and anybody else, you know, that I'm just delighted. I sat at lunch with the family West and (laughs) delighted. I want to do that with my brothers and sisters all over the world. And somehow God is going to do a supernatural miracle and put that desire in every single heart. There's no greater gift that we can give than coming together to worship him. Thank you for that underwhelming response. There's no greater gift we could give him than coming together and acting as a family and worshiping him in one spirit, one accord. Amen? We might not agree what Bible to use. We might not agree on everything to do with everything but there's one person that we can agree on that deserves worship. His name is Jesus. Lord, hello? Turn to somebody and say, I think he's talking to you right now.
0: Lord, I raise my hands to bless you And I lift my voice to praise you And to give all that I am in worship to you In the glory of your presence I will bow to you In reverence And say With all my heart That I love you Lord, I raise my hands To bless you And I lift my voice To praise you All that I am In worship to you In the glory of your presence I will bow to you In reverence And say say with all my heart. Yes, I'll say with all my heart. Yes, I'll say with all my heart. That I love you Lift your hands, Lord. I raise my hands to bless you, one oh, bless him, and I live. I'll say with all my heart yes i say with all my heart yes i say with all my heart that i love you yes i will i say with all my Yes, I'll say with all my heart, I'll say with all Not by power But by the Spirit of God Yes, I will run
2: to have the glory of God living in you but another thing to live in the glory so that every day the glory of God is manifesting in everything that you are, everything that you say, everything that you do God didn't give you his glory to live in the inside, inside of you and just remain there resident but God's glory is on the inside of you to leak out of you flow into every aspect of your life and into all the life of your family and those around you God's not going to give his glory to people just for them to be selfish for themselves to keep it but God wants his glory to flood through Alabama, to flood like a river to overflow the cities and the highways and the byways to affect every part of society to fill all the earth the knowledge of the glory of God.
0: And I will run to you, to your word of truth, not by might, not by the power, but by the Spirit. Yes, I will run. Mando. My eternal song of great fullness, and I will be here on my face. I will bend my knees in honor to your wonderful.
2: The second book I wrote and published a couple of years ago is called Alignment for Assignment and underneath the, the subtitle is Doorkeepers to God's Treasury. I think we're catching up with the truth. Every generation gets revelation of truth and passes it on to the next generation and that opens up something of a revelation that affects the next generation. And so we're living on the shoulders of the last generation even though sometimes the last generation actually doesn't agree with our theology that we get today that's the shame and rather than I remember the Lord said to me one day uh, you know word, the a word of truth is like a candle and my church don't seem to understand they're a candelabra not a candle and I, and, and I said, what do you mean? He said, you handed me a candle. I could just see him in the spirit. He just handed me a candle. He said, what would you do that? So I took the candle and I burnt it. And he said, now imagine that's a revelation of healing. You've never had the revelation before, but you've got the revelation of healing. What do you do? I said, I burn it. And I hold it up high, because I want to fill the room with the revelation of healing. Yes. He said, and as you're preaching that and everything, so all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes along and says to you, deliverance. He said, what do you do with this candle? I said, well, I'd take that one and I'd burn them both. Say, I want to lift it up and I want to to fill the the room with the the message of healing and the message of deliverance. And the Lord said, yes, but the Holy Spirit comes along with a third one. What does the body of Christ do now? I said, I don't know. What does it do, Lord? He said, they take the one candle and snuff out the other Mm. so they can grab the new one. Mm. Uh Rather than instead of saying, we're a candelabra would you take this one? Would you take this one? Would you take this one? And let's burn it together. And we uh, we we seem to not be able to be in balance and handle the whole revelation. But we, I believe we're on a generation. There's something happening in our generation. There's an explosion of teaching that's gone on in the past generation that has afforded us to be where we are today. But there's coming a fast revelation. That we're catching up with the word of God. We're catching up with the truth. It's been there all along, but we're getting our eyes are opened. Our spiritual eyes, our spiritual understanding has been quickened and awakened to realize that when he planted his seed in us, it was everything. It's already been in us. It's, It's in us from the day we are conceived by the spirit of God. The moment the word of God goes in, the word of God is the sperma. You know in Genesis one, I love I love the the picture. The first picture we see of God is that that the spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the there's the the chaos, there's everything that's out of order, you know, and 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 there's the spirit of God hovering, and you know the, the 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 word of people the word of faith Preachers preached so eloquently and taught us that the Spirit of God was hovering, waiting for the word. And the moment the word was spoken, the word got connected to the Spirit and the Spirit began to give birth. Yeah. Oh, God, if only we understood. Do you know that word hovering actually means brooding? The Holy Spirit is brooding over something because he wants to give birth. And I haven't got time to preach this, but when the word goes forth, the word is Jesus. It's the complete revelation of God. It's the ultimate of everything. Anything that you could possibly want to know about God, what he's like, what he has, what he does, it's all wrapped up in Jesus, the word of God. But he's also called the sperma. He's also called the sperma. And inside the sperm is the DNA. It's the life yeah. of the one who gives the sperm. Yeah. So the sperm is come from God the Father. So the Son is the, the sperma that carries the DNA of the Father in all its entirety. Fancy yeah. God wants to give himself away like that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to give 2% or, well, I'll give a little bit to you and a little bit to you. No, he gives to every man the full measure of his nature. Yeah. Yeah. Boom! And it says that Jesus is the ex- in Hebrews the express revelation of God. Yeah. In other words, if you want to know what God the Father is like, just look at Jesus. It's identical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The it says in one is it one three John that when he comes we shall be wow. like him on wow. earth. On in heaven, on earth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Identical. Well, that's, that shouldn't be such a major shock. It is, it's become a shock to the body of Christ. We're getting a revelation of this, and it's brewing and brewing through the generations more and more. It shouldn't be a shock, should it? If my son looks like me and walks like me and acts like me and talks like me, and his mannerisms are just like me. He's 20-something years younger than me, and yet he walks in the room and somebody never met him before. He says, "Oh, I know who's, who your dad is. This one goes. He's in the middle of Mozambique. And this guy from Scandinavia says, I know who your father is, Wingos. He said, How on earth could you know? Wingos is my father when I'm on the other side of the world and it's a, Swede, a Swedish guy and we've never met. He said, Because well, you look like him. Wow. He said, When you walk through the door, you walk just like your dad. <laughs> and he said, In your body language, it's just like your dad. And when you opened your mouth and said, Good evening, there was that Welsh a sound, that lilt of your accent, and you sound like your father. And Matthew said, I dropped my, de- my head, thinking, my God, I'm the other side of the world, and I still can't get away from him. <laughs> you know? and, I, and I went to put my arm around my son's shoulders, because no son wants to be remembered. The, the, You're your wins, son. Yeah. They want to know I'm Matthew, and he's my father. Yeah, yeah. They, they want, you know. I want to put my arm around him to say, I'm so sorry. And, my, f- and uh, my Heavenly Father, suddenly like a flash of lightning said, don't you dare apologize. Don't you dare apologize. Because if they said that of you and me, you would think that the world, that I, I isn't that what I want? Isn't that what I want? I want you to walk in the room and everyone say, I know who your father is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how do you know? I can see him. You look just like your daddy. And you do. When I look at you, Ronald, I see my father in a way I've never seen him before. But I tell you, I, ah, God! And when you walk, you've got his body language. <laughs> <laughs> You're Max Saronis. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a great preacher and friend of mine. And he walked into my church like an Italian. You Know and he walks, <laughs> so everybody in the church started to <laughs> mimic him, you know, and he started laughing because we were all playing with him, you know. And there's a bit of Italian left in Wales now because Mark Sharona came, you know. And I smiled and I said, God, it must be a, a, a bit of God must be Italian, you know, because I can see God in Mark Sharona, uh-huh. I can hear him in Mark Sharona, Amen. my God. But imagine walking into an arena and someone saying i know who you are i know who you are isn't it amazing wouldn't it be fantastic to walk into a mall and some woman or some man turn around and scream at you saying i know who you are and they're filled with demons but we can stand alongside someone with a demon and they don't recognize it why because we're not understanding and re- walking in the revelation yet, that God wants us to walk in. He wants us to so walk that every, every demon on planet Earth or around planet Earth, any spiritual stronghold anywhere, when we walk into that atmosphere, they do to us what they did to Jesus. When Jesus got out the boat and put his one foot on the seashore, the ma- gathering man, all the demons began to manifest. They all began to manifest. And they said, we know who you are. Yeah. yeah, I bet you do. Shut up. Just get out. Just lose it. Off. You know, we need, when we walk in an environment, everyone recognizes where we've come from. I love my daddy. He's in heaven now. I love my natural dad. I love him to bits. Take think the world of him. But that's not the father I'm looking at right now. His DNA won't help me now spiritually. But my father's DNA will. And I want to walk in the attributes. And I want to walk in that everybody knows. I know your Father, because you walk like him. You talk like him. You act like him. And the body of Christ has got to start thinking. We're supposed to act like him. Not Baptists. Not Pentecostals. Not Word of Faith. not, Not just act like him. Amen? Amen? Wow. He's put his spirit in us. He put his seed in us. Go back to Hebrews, where it says that he is the express image of the Father. That word, an express image and the brightness of the Lord, One of the translations says. That word, that root word means like a bolt of lightning. He came out of the Father and boom, like a bolt of lightning, there was this expression of the Father in the earth. And when the word comes forth in Genesis 1 and goes into the, into the spirit, into the, the spirit is acting like the womb. The womb of a woman has a canopy and it, it's almost like she gets broody, doesn't she? Ladies, help me. I got a, I got a, a daughter-in-law, my son, my, uh, my stepson got married two years ago, so we got a daughter-in-law. And, and, and every time little Elijah, my old grandson, is around and she's in the area, she starts getting all broody. Why? She's getting ready to give a, get a baby. She, the brooding is telling her, "I'm about to get pregnant. I, I want to get, because you can't get something till you desire it. So the Holy Spirit comes upon something to create the desire so that the word can do its job. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is going to move on this country and on this planet and on this state and upon you and me. He's coming in a way. He's going to brood upon us. And I want to talk a little bit about that. He's going to brood upon us to create the desire in our hearts. For what he wants to do. Because what he wants to do is not natural. It's supernatural. What he wants to do is way, way beyond what we have ever experienced in our entire life. More than we can comprehend. We are not a physical entity or an organization. We are a spiritual spiritual entity called the church and we are a supernatural entity because we have the dna of our father in heaven and there is no my first book speaks of it my second book speaks of it there are no walls that could keep jesus in and there were no walls that could keep him out there was no place they could put him down that he went back up and there was nothing in the atmosphere to keep him on the planet he just went up and he kept changing and changing and changing his appearance. And he kept messing them up. Why? He's trying to say, you are not like the natural, you are supernatural. There is an entity in the body of Christ. I know my friend, my friend in Russia, appeared and disappeared on the other side of the world. Wow. Boom! Oh, to preach the gospel. I don't know if you know, but in Wales, many years ago, there was a disaster in a little village just down the road from where I was born. It was called Abavan. It was where a whole mountain, which was made of, of uh, rubbish that came out of the coal mines, they put all the, the, the rubbish up there, and they didn't realize they, they put it on top of a stream, and the stream washed away the foundations. And one day, the whole mountain came down and buried a school. 300 children and staff all died. And a whole generation was wiped out. But what the newspapers never told us was two ladies who went to the local church were coming down the hill opposite where the school is. You can still see the hill. It's still there, right where the school used to be. And the two ladies were coming down the hill when they saw another lady, an American lady. And this lady shouted at them, do you know who runs the school? And they said, yes. And they said, well, run and tell them. Get out of the school because that mountain is about to bury the school. And they said, don't be stupid. That mountain's been there a hundred years. And she said, go tell them that school will be buried and all the children and staff will be buried alive. Tell them. And they thought she was a witch. Nonsense. Don't be stu- and carried on. About 30 years later, a lady missionary from America, came over to London to visit her friend. And she said, "Um, my ancestry is from Wales. Could you drive me to Wales, is it it far? She said, no, it's just a few hours drive. So she would you take, and she said, where do you want me to take you? She said, I don't know, just take me. Take me where the revival was. So she said, okay. So she drove down and she went up the valleys where all the revival was, just above where I live, they went up the valleys, Now as she's driving up, she said, well, we'll go over the top of this mountain, and down the other side, down to the valley, back towards the city, and then we'll go home. She said, okay, so as they go over the top of the mountain, they go through Abavan. Van. <laughs> as she going through Abavan, she says to her, the, her friend, stop the car. Stop the car. And she stopped right where the memorial of the school was. And she got out the car and her friend said, what are you doing? She said, I've been here. She said, what do you mean you've been here? You've never been to Britain. She said, I've been here. She said, there used to be a school and there used to be a mountain there. She said, how on earth would you know about that? She said, because I was in prayer and the Lord translated me from where I was in California to this village. And I, I told two ladies, that mountain was going to bury and there's the plaque to say everything she said happened and as she turned around to see her friend she was shocked because I'm, I'm standing in the village she turned to her friends and they're coming down the hill with the two ladies and the two ladies stopped on the other side of the road looking at it and she's looking at them and she said, do you know who i am and they said yeah you're the lady that told us that the mountain was going to fall on the school and we didn't believe you. And she said, how do you know it was me? She said, you're dressed now the same way you were dressed 30 years ago. Is that possible? Why not? If Jesus can go... There's a DNA of that in us that when he desires... God will break us out of the restrictions of the natural, hello? We are a spiritual entity and God is trying to do something with the body of Christ that is supernatural. The greatest move of God we've ever known is not behind us, but ahead of us. And it will be filled with the greatest sign, creative signs and wonders. Miracles are not signs and wonders. Miracles are miracles. Healings are healing. Signs and wonders is something completely... I always say wonders are those things that you stand and go, I wonder what that was. Signs in the heavens, signs in the earth. Evidences that speak to us of another world. And God is about to do something in the body of Christ. And we're going to start seeing what we've read in the Bible and what we've heard in history happened every now and again. starting to happen more and more and more and more. Because the revelation inside of us is preparing us. Every generation for the next thing and the next thing. But something's quickening. Right. Yes. Paul told us the end times, it will all start to speed up and quicken. Doorkeepers of God's treasury. When he planted his seed on the inside. When a, when a sperm goes into a woman's egg. There's a bolt of electricity. Biologists said there's a bolt of electricity. I'm not sure which way it is, but the 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 boy, the girl, they have a different level of electricity. So if you want a boy, you get this level of electricity. Boat, If you want a girl, you have this level. And I always say, well, if you want, you know, if you want more electricity, stick your fingers in the and then stick your fingers in the socket and get a le- bolt of electricity in you. And then then make love to your wife. You know, maybe you'll have the right one. Then you know so. But there's a bolt of electricity, literally a little bolt of electricity, as the sperm hits the egg. Boom! And it's called life. Life begins. Yeah. And when God went into you, the Holy Spirit had already been working on every one of us in this room, brooding over us, preparing us to receive salvation. But you didn't just receive salvation, did you? You received everything, lock, stock and barrel. You received the seed, the Son of God. You received the Word of God. And the Word of God multiplies and multiplies. It's just like the sperm, it multiplies. What I couldn't get over when I watched, when, when my daughter said she was pregnant, I got online and watched a, a video of, of how fast a cell multiplies to create a baby in the womb. And I was absolutely staggered. But it told me so much about the Word of God. The Word of God wants to explode and multiply and unfold itself and unravel itself. And I just think this is incredible. You know, I don't know you've got a Bible here, probably a thousand pages in it. And yet all God ever said was like be. The rest is the history of it unfolding. All the way through and what it did and how it affected every single aspect of life. And it kept expressing and expanding, 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 telling us more. And then the complete revelation turns up himself. And tries to show us that that seed is me. And when you receive that seed, it's me. It's my life in you. I want to live my life in you and through you. When I got born again, that's what I prayed. I I wasn't even, I had no concept, Brother Honor. I had no concept of this prayer of salvation. I'd never heard of one. And yet I prayed a prayer of salvation, and my words were, I have made an absolute mess of my life. But if you can take my life and live your life in and through me, do so, bam, like a bolt of electricity. Boom! He was in. That's all he wanted. He wanted just a crack in the door. Bang, he's in. And all he wants to do is be himself. But religion gets in the way. Hello. Oh, or as I said this morning, doubt gets in the way and begin to, to fall into all the traps of all that nonsense instead of being like little children. I had no problems whatsoever seeing the blind sea when I was first saved. Because I had no I had no theology. I had no Christians say no, 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 no. God doesn't do that anymore. I had three pastors take me to one side altogether. You must stop doing this. I said, what? Preaching Mark chapter 16. But the signs and the wonders. I said, why? Well, it's in the Bible. And they said, no, 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 that part at the end is added on. It's, it's the uninspired part. I said, what are you talking about? They, and they told me about the translations, or the earliest translations, didn't have that passage in it. It was added in later. I said, well, that's an even greater miracle then. I said, if he can do all this through the uninspired bit, imagine what he can do with the inspired bit. Hello? And the Bible is written by men and women who were inspired. God breathed into. I always thought inspired was what I did. (gasps) Yeah, but you only go, (gasps) because somebody outside went first. And he breathed his breath. He breathed his essence. That's what that breath means. He breathed the essence of who he is right into you. And there was a response. "Ah, Back out. He didn't breathe in for you to keep going. "Ah, ah, ah, ah," But not breathe out. If it goes in, it must come out. Hello? If he's breathed his word into you, breathed his spirit into you. If he's given you the DNA, he's looking for it to manifest. He's looking for it to unravel. He wants it to affect every aspect of our life. He wants, he will not stop. Can I tell you, he will not stop. That word will not cease. It will keep unraveling and unraveling and unraveling until everything in creation is back the way he intended it to be. Hello? Mm. And you think you're retiring? No, you can't. All you can do is keep refiring. Amen? Praise God. Would you turn? I've lost my passage here. Would you turn with me to um, the Gospels, please? Hmm, who's moved my Bible? Okay, here it goes Luke chapter 13. We had a great uh, time this morning in the Word as the Spirit was moving, you know, and I I encourage those who didn't get to listen to it on the website because it's just an incredible thing. When Jesus came into your life, I explained it like this, you know, this this machine here, the iPad, inside it's got a, a reset button for when it doesn't work properly. So you can, you can do it yourself, or if you don't know how to do it, you just take it to somebody and they go into the settings, press this button, and everything that's been in that iPad that you've put into it, and it's messed up and frozen, and you can't do anything, it just gets obliterated. And the iPad goes back to the, factory, the manufacturer's settings. And so it begins to work again, exactly as the manufacturer intended it to. And I don't know any iPad, and I don't know any uh, tablet, I don't know any car, I don't know a washing machine that's ever been made where a manufacturer actually made it and put all those things in it to make it work, but actually didn't want it to work at its ma- optimum level. Yeah. They all want it to. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. And Apple want this to operate at its optimum level. And so there are times it goes wrong, gets all clogged up and messed up. And so they put a reset button and you can press the reset button and this thing will unravel itself and go back exactly to the place where the manufacturer intended it to be in the first place so that once again, it can work at the optimum level. And when Jesus came into my, uh, uh, my life and your life, God pressed the reset button. He pressed the restore button to restore us, and that word restoration, which we're supposed to preach about, it says in Acts chapter 13, that, that Jesus is being held up in heaven until the time of restoration is finished. Right. Yeah, and that word restoration means to reset it back to the God's, in, in, God's intended purpose, original intended purpose, and its original condition. God came into your life and in a moment gave you everything you need to be put back into his original blueprint. Back into his original purpose, back to your his original intended quality of life. He reset the button. And the problem is as Christians, we know understanding the fullness of that, that it's been reset. It's been reset. He pressed the button when he put Jesus in us. By the Spirit of God, the Word came in and reset the button. And we were transformed. We were totally reset in our spirit. But he didn't reset just the spirit for it to sit there. He wants the glory of God to flow out of the temple, into the highways and the byways, doesn't he? He wants it to flow out of your spirit into your soul, into your body, into your mind, into your marriage, into your family, into your finances, into your workplace. Wherever there is darkness, he wants light to flow. And if there is darkness, you know what the ministry is. It's to set light back in it. If there's sickness, you know where to go. You know what to do. Hello? So your intended purpose is to do the same thing, to preach, brother Ronald, to everyone in Peru so that you can get the message to them that they understand when they accept Jesus, bam, they're restored. And there is a rest- restoration and a reset button going off on the inside of them, and it's supposed to be unleashed in them. So every miracle that Jesus paid for can start manifesting. Every healing can start manifesting. Every deliverance, every provision, every mercy, every grace, every peace, everything we will ever, and above and beyond what we'll ever need or imagine we could need, He's already paid the price, and He wants it to flow and flow until the temple reflects the God of the temple. And I can't find anywhere where it says he's sick. I can't find anywhere where it says he's broken, even though Christians tend to write those songs that say he's broken-hearted. Really? If God's got a broken heart, we're in a real mess. How can he fix our broken heart if he's broken himself? Hello, are you breathing? God turns everything back into its intended purpose. Wherever there's been sin on it's been marred, it wipes it out, and that's our purpose, my friend. My God, just like there is Apple engineers that can fix that, you're God's engineers. You're God's engineers, and anywhere you go, it can happen. Oh, God's only anointed me from Alabama. Oh, fool, <laughs> fool, that's nonsense. That may be where your faith is, but that's not where God's faith is for you. Wherever you tread your foot, God will work. Wherever you believe, God will go. Whatever you feel God is wanting to do, wherever you take it, it'll go. It'll work. Prayer for salvation will work in Iceland and Tasmania at the same time. Hello? Can I tell you it'll work through a television screen too? It works through a mobile phone. It works through a cassette. A video, a DVD, a book, it'll work through a song. Hello? How many songs have you written? Roughly. 50, 60, 100? 50, 60. Praise God. You're in about 2% of what you can do. Yeah, because if you can write 50 songs, there must be 5 million in there. Because it's never ending. Hello. The gift never stops, it keeps on and keeps on. Keeps on. And the more you give away, the more you know that's in there. Isn't that the parable of the fishes the f- bread and fish, there's more left over after they gave it all away? So what happens if we keep it to ourselves then? The opposite. If you don't give, you won't receive any more. That's right. In fact, what you've got will be taken from you. No, God doesn't take it from you. You just lose it. You'll lose it. What you've been given is to give away. Look at this passage now. Let's quickly touch on some things I feel the Holy Spirit wants to say. Luke 13, 11 says, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit or a demon of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. And that word, raise herself up, means physically, emotionally, or spiritually. He goes on and says, but when Jesus saw her, he summoned her, called her to himself, and said to her, woman, you are loosed, set at liberty, released, fully free from your infirmity. And then he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. She glorified God by standing up. Jesus wants to glorify God in you and me. Jesus wants to glorify himself in Alabama and in Wales. Jesus wants to glorify himself in the younger generation and the older generation. The black and the white, the pink, the blue spots. It doesn't matter where it is. Jesus wants to glorify his father. That's why he said, and you will bear much fruit. It's my joy. It's the father's joy that you bear much fruit. God never intended us To be little fruit people, but abundant fruit people. Abundant fruit. Hello? But it says goes on and says, But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed, on the Sabbath, and said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. There's four things this ruler didn't understand. He didn't understand the purpose of Jesus. He didn't understand the purpose of the Sabbath. He didn't understand the pur- purpose of a person's body. And he didn't understand the purpose of a miracle. If you don't know something's purpose, you'll either never use it, or you'll abuse it. Well, if you don't understand his purpose... If you don't understand why God brought a wife into your life or a husband into your life, if you don't understand that, you'll abuse them or misuse them or never allow them to flow in what God intended them to be in your life. If you don't understand what the role of a pen is, even though my brother has got one, if you don't know what the role of a pen is, you'll never use it for its intended purpose. It has sitting there with all its potential. It can do exactly what the manufacturer wanted it to do. Somebody's given it to you, but because you don't know what its purpose, you leave it on the windowsill. You leave it on the shelf. You, you just, if you don't understand the purpose of a Bible, that's exactly what we do. We leave it on the bookshelf, and it covers dust because we can't understand the purpose of it, so we neglect it. And if you don't understand the purpose of your body is to host God in the earth... If you don't understand, your body is to keep God in the power of the Spirit on the earth as long as he can. That's why you have a body. Because if there was no purpose for you to remain on planet earth, when you got born again, you'd have gone. You'd have gone straight to heaven. But he left you here because he wants to live in you and through you. There is a purpose for your body. If you don't understand that, you'll misuse it or you'll abuse it. You'll never use it for its intended purpose. You'll use it for a million other things, which are wonderful and good things, but never ever see what God could truly do in you and through you because you don't understand the purpose of your body. is for allow God to be himself on planet Earth. And when people say, what is Jesus like? Boom. Here he is. What does he sound like? Me. What would he do if he was here today? Boom, this. There should, be no dis- there should be no disconnection with God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and the church. We have been reconciled. We have been reconnected. We've been put back into alignment. We Just like a shoulder was out of alignment, he put us back into alignment. Sin put us out, but righteousness put us back in. The blood of Jesus obliterated the work of sin and death forever, for all people. And God put us back together with himself for a power of God to come into us, for his life to be revealed in Alabama, for his life to be revealed in Peru or wherever else you go. He didn't reconnect us for us all to turn into TBN and watch Billy Graham or watch or watch uh, some other preacher. Yeah. All that is is an example to encourage you and inspire you to realize, ooh, that's what I'm like. That's, what I'm, that's my purpose. Amen. Yeah. I'm supposed to communicate the gospel. I'm supposed to <laughs> lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. I'm supposed to lead people to Christ and when I lay, lay hands on them, boom, the power of God fills them and God fills their life and does the same again. Hello. So Satan's strategy is to get you to not know purpose. But even if you did know your purpose, his strategy is to shorten it. And I spoke about that this morning. I'm not going to speak about it again. But every sickness he can get into your body, he will because he knows if he can get sickness into your body a little bit of death has just got in there and if it multiplies you'll have a little bit more and a bit more and a bit more until in the end you get out of this planet praise God you went to heaven yes you did but so did that what was inside of you it's gone and it can never be again it can never be again Satan's strategy is to get brother Ronald dead Get him off the planet. However I can do it, just get him off the planet. All hell is bent on destroying him with every way or filling his mind with such fear, doubt, and unbelief. That he stands there and says, I'm of no value. Therefore, he never, ever fulfills purpose. So we take an evangelist, call him a pastor, and wonder why it doesn't work. Because we don't know purpose. We don't understand the evangelist's purpose, or the pastor's purpose, or the apostles, or the prophet. In fact, we don't understand the apostles at all. Let's forget them altogether, shall we? That's what somebody said to me. A, a, a well-known pastor from this country. Oh, that's nonsense. That's, that was just acts. We don't need apostles anymore. There's churches everywhere. What, there's a part of God you don't want? Because the apostle's part of God, you know. It's the five-fold ministry. All the ministry put together is Jesus. It's the hand of God. Oh, I don't need the thumb, throw it away. That's what the church does all the time. Oh, we don't need that, throw it away. Cast it aside. We don't need that. Really? Is there something of God that we don't need? The purpose of Jesus was to reveal the Father's purpose and give his life to make a way for it to be accomplished. Jesus knew his purpose. His purpose wasn't to build a big ministry. His purpose wasn't to to be religious. It wasn't to write a book. It wasn't to build a building. It was to make a way for the will of God to be established back in people. And the only way to do that was to die. So he died. And he said everything he said on purpose. And he did everything he did on purpose. And he went everywhere he went on purpose. I don't care what, what the historians say. I don't care what the old style theologians say. Jesus moved, was moved by every word that the Father spoke. And he spoke it. And he did whatever the Father showed him to do. Hello? so everywhere he went and every time he went there it was on divine purpose there was a reason he said everything he said at the time he said it in the place he said it to the people he said it he was purpose of god personified he was living purpose everything about him was purpose and we're made in his image we're supposed to live our life completely focused on our purpose And as I said this morning, Satan's strategy is to distract you. To distract you away from every purpose God has for you. Every intention. Secondly, the purpose of the Sabbath. This man thought the Sabbath was a 24-hour time clock. Which is stupid. Because you have Sabbath days in the Old Testament. You have Sabbath weeks sabbath months and you have sabbath years but all of it is pointing to a person called jesus he is the sabbath he is the place of rest the rest from all our work Where we now live in the accomplished work of what he did for all the other days of the week. We are now living in a season where it's not by might, it's not by strength, but it's by the spirit of grace. We have entered into a season. Our salvation wasn't through anything we did of ourselves. We just received it. We received salvation. And if you receive salvation by grace, not by merit, you received it because of his abundant goodness. You received that. If you received salvation, you received deliverance. You received healing. You received miracles. You received wisdom. You received mercy. You received peace. You received the restoration of all things in Christ Jesus. You received it. Now receive a truth. Receive the truth that you and I can walk in it. And you and I can w- have every right to walk in it, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, but because that's the plan and purpose of your life. It's to be the shop window of the Father, so that if anybody wants to know what he's like, here, here he is. This is what he's like. Look at what he's done in my life. Look at what he's done in my family. Look at what he's done in my marriage. Look what he did in my body. Look what he, do- he can do. Hello? Turn to somebody right now and say, I think he's preaching to you. The purpose of a person's body is to host the glorious life of Jesus, allowing it to manifest. Well, Lord, on the day when we got to be with him, come in, when? How'd you get on on planet Earth? Well, I attended 3,493 services. I read my Bible four times. I went to Bible school. And I tithed and I yeah, I served on the door and the ashes. I served and painted the building and mowed the pastor's lawn. Did my life manifest through you? Well, no, no, I didn't have time for that. But I did go to church. Really? So you know I can't find anywhere in here where it tells you to go to church but I can find a load of verses that says be it be the church and because we created a structure where we go to church we forget to be it and wherever you are your purpose is to be the church The purpose of a miracle is to bear witness of his purpose to restore all things into alignment with his likeness. That's the purpose of a miracle. It's to show the heavens and the earth that God can take the simple and the foolish and do a miracle. All because of faith. Not because of past perfect life but because of perfect trust in Jesus Christ that the demons don't understand that the spirit world of darkness doesn't understand the mercy and the grace of God it doesn't understand it at all and when it looks at you it can't understand that you could possibly believe after all that you've done that you could believe God could use you hello I once had a, a problem at home with my, when Anne was alive. We had a house and there was something wrong with the curtains and the curtain rail. So she said, sweetheart, would you, would you just get up, up there and have a look at it? I don't know what's it's tangled up, something's wrong with it. So I said, sure. So I took my shoes off and I started pulling the coffee table across. Pulled the coffee table. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to stand on the coffee table to have a look. She said, well, get the step, I said, I don't want to go up to the garage and get the step ladder just to stand up and just untangle something. I'll just, I'll be fine on the coffee table. So I got on the edge of the coffee table and I'm doing something and I lost my balance and I started to go back. And of course, I totally forgot the center of the coffee table was glass. So I stepped backwards and whoosh, straight through the coffee table, splinters everywhere. The, the wood split all over the place because I flattened on top and demolished this coffee table. See, I abused it because I was using it for what it was never intended to be used. Hello? And and we're like that sometimes when we don't understand our life. Our life is to live on purpose, to take the gospel to the four quarters of the world. To take the message of the gospel of grace and preach it with signs following it. That's what it says. If that's what it says in the Gospels, and that's what it says in the New Testament, that's what it means. God has no other intention for your life other than he wants to glorify his nature in you and through you. He wants the same words that, that, that turned the lives around when Jesus spoke to turn lives around when you and I speak. That same anointing that raised Jesus from the dead resides in you and me for a purpose. Oh, it's here for me to be able to say, I'm a spirit-filled Christian. No, no, it's not here for you to say that. It's here for you to act like that. It's for you to stand here and work in the power of the Spirit. And when you start believing that God could possibly take a hold of you and do something incredibly massive through you when every demon in hell is telling you, who do you think you are? You're just a boy from a hillside in Wales. You can't even, you couldn't even read a book. You couldn't even, you couldn't even stay in school. You skipped school. You only went to school because you thought you wanted to play sport. It's true. I'm talking to me. From a poor family. Five generations of poverty. And God plucked me out. And when he plucked me out, he said, I've called you to preach the gospel to the nations with signs following. And when he walked in the room and said that, I looked around thinking he must be somebody else in the room. And he's talking to them, not me. Because that's my image of myself. I grew up with self, uh, an issue of, of self-confidence. I was shy. I, I had no value in myself. I didn't see that I was of any value to anybody. And when he called me, I just thought, he must be talking to somebody else, not me. And then I went to a tent crusade where there was a, an evangelist. And I got in the crowd there and I was just helping, moving some chairs, etc. Because there was a lot of people coming forward for, for healing. And he says... When? Come forward. Come here. So he knew me. He just knew my, my name. So he, I came forward. And he stood there and I stood there and he said, God's told me to tell you, you've got, you've got the anointing on you to take the gospel to the four quarters of the world and you will see signs and wonders and miracles will follow you everywhere you go. He said what God said to me. He repeated it. The next second, he said, there's a line of 40 people. Just go and pray for him. I said, I've never prayed for anyone. I don't know what to pray. He said, just pray in tongues. I walked up to the first person. Bang. Down. Healed. 40 miracles later. Blind eyes seeing. Just showing completely to everybody. If you don't believe it, I know it. Here I am. Totally at a place where I have nothing to offer him. Accept who I am. I have a body. You can live in it. I got no education. I got no talent. I got no, no, no grace. I, I got no ability to speak or preach. I got no qualifications in the spirit whatsoever. But if you can live your life in me and through me. And he started right from the beginning. He chose. He moved into my life, he started moving the furniture around. He started altering my uh, in, internal thinking patterns. He started altering my desires. He began to alter all the stuff from the past and set me free from it. He began to throw out the shyness. He began to throw out the, the, the low value of, and low self esteem that I had. He began to throw it out the window. That doesn't belong in you. That doesn't belong in you. That doesn't belong in you. And he began to move in confidence in the power of the Spirit. He began to move in my faith level. He began to move in mercy and compassion he began to fill my life with joy he began to fill my life with vision and hope and purpose and before i know where i am i'm filled with the holy ghost and i'm speaking in tongues and i'm interpreting and i'm prophesying and i'm laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover i'm laying hands on dead people and they get up i'm doing what jesus said we could do he wants to move in, in power, and move everything around and restore back to you the joy of your salvation Hallelujah. that you can know what you're called to. Yeah. My God. You know, if we don't understand his purpose, we'll say, no, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You just sit there. You just sit there and just receive. Don't you dream about going to Peru? You just sit there and receive. Can I tell you what? It won't just him be him you frustrate. You'll be frustrating the whole church, because he will be so frustrated. He'll frustrate everybody in you. Why? Because you've got to do the purpose of God. Wow. You know, it says. Three, three times, three, three words they use in the Greek to talk about the anointing. One of the, the words means that you are smeared. That, that God rests his hands on you and smears his anointing on you. It's the word Creo, Smears it on you. And the, 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 the wording is taken from the Old Testament where they smeared you with the oil. To ordain you and anoint you so that the purpose of God for your life can be established. And any time you were called to ministry in any realm, or operated in an office on behalf of God, you were anointed. And that symbolism meant the hand of God was resting on you. To ordain you so that God can say, I have set you apart from all this, I've set you apart for significance. That's what the word ordination means. That's what the word of, of, of set apart is referring to. It's to set you apart for a significant reason, for a significant purpose. He didn't just set you aside. He didn't, set, he didn't anoint you and put, set you aside from everything else just so he could say, I've set you aside to fulfill some religious system. No, he set you aside, set you aside apart from everything else because of significance. In other words, that significance is supposed to manifest to set you apart from everything around you. That people know who you are. Hello? That's the anointing is on you. The second word means that the Spirit of God overshadows you. It rests on you to overshadow you. Do you remember Peter walked down the road? And without even doing it on purpose, just because he was already fulfilling his purpose, as he walked down the road, they saw him coming and they pulled all the people out of their uh, houses and laid them on the street on stretchers so that his shadow fell upon him. Listen, they didn't get healed by the shadow. They got healed by what was overshadowing him. It shows that there's an anointing that God puts upon you to set you aside and that there is an anointing that comes upon you that overshadows you and starts having a wider effect. Hello? God wants to touch your life, to set you apart. God wants to overshadow you. Hello? God wants to do something in you and through you. And sometimes we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. But we haven't yet come to that place of release where we will allow his hand to come on us and release. Release that ministry. Release that gift. Release that purpose. Because we're so busy thinking the purpose is to do something else. Listen, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. Did I go to work? Yes, I went to work, but I sought first the kingdom of God. So when I was in work, I was still operating the things of the Spirit. I've pulled up in petrol stations, walked into pay, and just looked at someone and started prophesying. I've had visions about people inside a petrol station of what they went through. And I began to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because that's what they're for. Hello? It's what Jesus did. He saw Nathaniel and said, "Ha! Ah, I saw you yesterday under a tree. He wasn't in the temple when he did it. He was out in the street. Hello? He says to this woman, She's bent in half. Literally bent. Her head is down by her feet. So in other words, her feet are facing forward, but her face is facing back. So half of us, half of of her wants to go forward and half of her wants to go back. She's living in that. Never moving into what God has for her, because she can't. And when Jesus sees her, he cannot leave her the way she is. He cannot leave her bent over, not living life on a purpose. He can't leave her like that. And he just looks at her and calls her, and she comes across in that manner towards him. And he says, woman, you are loosed. He sends forth the word. His spirit knows this woman is ready for the miracle. He sends forth the word, boom. The word goes into her spirit, he lays hands on her, and boom, she straightens up. And for the first time in 18 years, she is able to go in the same direction at the same time. What she couldn't do in the natural, God suddenly does it. What she couldn't do in the spiritual, she suddenly does it. What she couldn't do in the emotional, she suddenly does it. Because God's word went in and Jesus touched her. There was a spiritual anointing and the word that went, what did Smith Wigglesworth say? There's coming a generation not just of the word or just of the spirit, but the word and the spirit cooperating together and they're kind this generation i believe is that generation where we're supposed to preach the message and touch and lay hands upon people and see the miracle and when jesus did it what she couldn't do in herself boom and there are people in this room you can't do what god's told you to do for whatever reason i'm telling you you are about to be set free. You're about to be loosed from every confinement you've ever had in your life that says I, you can't do what God told you to do. God is about to deliver His church in this season from every traditional confinement, from every financial confinement, from every physical confinement, from every emotional confinement, from every mental confinement, from every doubt and every unbelief. He is about to raise up a generation of the church that has no shadow of doubt left in her she's come to the place to realize it's not about me it's 100% about all he has done and he cannot lie to me he cannot deceive me if he says it it must be the truth and the generation we're in right now is going to be given the grace of God to receive it can I just say to you The biggest hassle I've had all of my life is to receive, not give. And when God spoke to me about what was going to happen in my ministry, I couldn't receive it because it was too big. I was starting to tell Eric tonight. God walked into a room in a hotel in 1981 and just began to display to me my whole life. He told me what would happen and he came he said at the at the end of this season you will leave wales and you will travel around the world for a season and you'll come back to us and then he began to tell me what would happen when i came back to wales 1981 almost 40 years ago oh this no it's not i'm mean, but almost 40 years ago he told me what was going to happen And it's happening right now because at the end of last year i suddenly realized we're going from 2017 to 2018 and if you know you've heard me speak some of you that when i was in bible school i was in i was in bible school under the tutoring of a man who spent 20 years with watchman knee and he came to me and put his arm around me one day and he said, we didn't bring you here to the Bible school to give you uh, knowledge. We, we brought you here to give you the keys that would unlock the word for the rest of your life. And I said, what do you mean, keys? And he said, "When have you ever read those passages in the Bible, you know, full of numbers and names, you know, uh, that this tribe had all these numbers? I said, yeah, he said, what do you and most Christians do? I said, oh, we just look over and turn the page. He said, yeah, but that's as much God's word as Psalm 23. Or John 3.16. Yeah. It's God's word. Yeah, it's right. If it's in there, it's in there on purpose. Yeah. God didn't waste his breath and say, I've got nothing, that, uh, I'm not saying much, so just pull all these in. This is all these names and numbers that are meaningless, and we'll just fill up a few chapters. Right. Right. Every word is on purpose in your Bible. Yeah. Every word. Because yeah. God is per- purpose personified. He does everything. On purpose. His timing is perfect. His words are perfect. His actions are perfect. Everything he does is perfect. And if he's working in your life, it's perfectly working you to bring to completion his perfect will. To bring to completion in you and through you his perfect plan to restore you and all things through you. My God. That's his perfect will. And the and his tutor said to me, when every number, every color, every shape, every animal, every mineral, every, every, every name has a purpose. It has a spiritual meaning. And the Bible will tell you itself. You don't need somebody else's book to tell you. The Bible will tell you what every number means. Just read the word and see it and you'll find it. God will show it to you. And so I went on a journey. And I began to discover what numbers mean. Like, obviously, the number five, everyone seems to know, is the number of grace. Six is the number of sin. Seven is the number of divinity. Eight, the new beginnings. Nine, the number of the Holy Spirit. Ten, the number of the word. Eleven is the number of rebellion. Twelve is the number of government. And he goes, oh, 50, you know what that is. Don't you, Jubilee? Numbers, numbers, numbers. And so at the end of last year, I suddenly told me, I don't know what the number 17 means and what the number 18 means. And so i started researching the word and i haven't got time to give it to you all but i just let me say this because it's relevant to where you're at right now number 17 means the end of wandering the end of going in circles because you're confined and the number 18 means liberty liberty from what everything that's keeping you going around in circles oh never seeing the fulfillment of everything that you know is possible. And there are people in this room, you know, you know, you know, you know, you've been living in confinement. You've had prophecy over you and it's not manifesting. You know that you've, you've been called of God to do something, but it's not an unction. The unction hasn't operated and you're, not really, you're still wishing it would have. Some of you are still in the confinement financially. Some of you are still confined but by that, by that old stinking thinking that tells you you're not good enough. You're not able to do it. God can't use you. Some of you are still in confinement because of past failure, as if past failures ever stopped God doing anything. Hello? And number 18 means you've just stepped into a season of liberty. And what year are we in? 18. And can I tell you, I wrote that in in an email and sent it to some of my closest friends and said, just pray about this. This is what 17 means and this is what 18 means. And the moment I wrote it, it started happening in my life. And the people that received the email started writing to me and phoning me saying, that's exactly what's happening in my life. Ever since that word came on the email, we've been set free from the confinements that kept us going round and round and round in circles. We are stepping into liberty. Hello? And the prophecy that happened in 1981 in that hotel room is starting to manifest this year. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Huh-huh. This year. This year. I'm a great believer that if you use your faith, this could be the greatest season you have ever known in your entirety. Wales is about to get saved again. Wales is about to have the greatest revival it's ever had before. In 1904, the Welsh revival, half the nation got saved. But we are about to have a revival that was greater than that. We're about to have a move of God that's going to shatter the church, break her free from the, conf- the chains and the-, and the cells of confinement of religious claptrap. Mm. You know what that is? Just saying what everybody else has always said, but it's full of rubbish. God is setting you up to be a sword of the Spirit, sharper than a two-edged sword. To be able to speak words that separate spirit and soul. To be able to speak into a situation and take the authority over situations and set captives free. Hello? I want to tell you a truth. Are you ready to hear this? It's not a great truth. It's not a brilliant truth in the sense of a deep revelation. It's a simple. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, set the captive free, and bring delivery, uh, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty all who are oppressed of the devil and proclaim the favorable day of the Lord. Did Jesus say the Spirit of the Lord is upon him? It must be upon you. The same Spirit. The same anointed. The same smearing, the same overshadowing, the same, oh, the other word I didn't give you, by the way, is when a woman went up behind Jesus and grabbed the hem of his prayer shawl. If you read the Passion translation, it tells you incredibly what happens. As she grabbed him, she didn't just touch it, she grabbed a hold with an attitude, I'm not letting go till I get the miracle. That's what the Greek language says. And it says, Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And they're all saying, well, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. The crowds are milling all around you. And he said, no, you don't understand. Someone touched me with faith and the power surged out of me. There's one thing to have a smearing on you. There's another thing to have it overshadowing you. There's another thing when it surges out of you. And what got me is that Jesus didn't even decide it. She decided it. Wow she decided it she decided the power of god has got to come out of me to get there she had to break apparently 70 religious laws to do it she was in confinement because of a blood issue when she had that blood issue for 12 years you understand she didn't just lose all her money trying to get well but she had not for 12 years ever been intimate with her husband She was not even allowed to pick up or touch her children because she was unclean. She was not allowed to go out through the door because she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to go to the market. She was unclean. She wasn't allowed to go to Starbucks for coffee because she was unclean. She wasn't allowed in the temple. She was unclean. She wasn't allowed to handle anyone or anything because she was unclean. Imagine what that does to you when you for 12 years, you're in a confinement because you're unclean. But it says that she heard Jesus of Nazareth going past. It doesn't tell you what she heard, it just says she heard Jesus of Nazareth was going by. Amen. And something went off on the inside of her. Stay here, die. Go out there, die. Because she would be stoned. She went out, she'd be stoned. She said, what the heck? If I stay here, I die. If I go out there, I die. But i got a chance I might live. And she went out there and she grabbed him with every fiber of her being and pulled it out of him. And it surged out of him. And I want you to know right now, God is trying to brood over the church to get them to have the same attitude. Grab a hold and let the surge of the Spirit come through you. And we're entering a season where the power of God is going to surge through your life. Surge through the body of Christ that people are going to realize there is no distinction in the body of Christ, male or female, young or old, man or woman, pastor or congregation. There is no segregation. The power of God is going to surge through the body of Christ, and we're going to start seeing unimaginable miracles. Back last year, when I wrote that email, I was feeling pretty encouraged. Because from a little little guy from a little village on the side of a mountain in Wales, uneducated, unable to read a book much, and yet we were reaching 50 nations every year. I'd written books, we'd established churches, Bible colleges, worship academies. I'd run networks of leaders. Feeling, wow, God, just amazing. As if that was significant. But it was to me, because my mindset was still controlled by this earthly concept of church. This earthly concept of my ability. And in a five-week period, we went from reaching 50 nations to reaching 150 nations wow. like lightning boom all of a sudden 3600 invitations all of a sudden 600 networks denominations Bible institutions started writing to me and emailing me, messaging me, asking me if we would go to that part of the world and stay there and teach their whole leaderships what was in my book, Alignment for Assignment. (laughs) Now to you, you're just sitting there. Yeah, but you don't know where I'm coming from. If you can see it through my eyes, I'm going, this is crazy. This is stupid. This can't happen. This can't happen. How does that happen to me? Well, I've always said, well, God can make a donkey talk. He can make anybody talk. So what's the, the issue is not the donkey, is it? And so I remember sitting there thinking, this is crazy. This is, I can't do it. You've called me back to Wales. I can't go, Lord. But, Lord, I don't want to miss the opportunity. I don't want to miss the opportunity in my... I went for a drive to go visit a friend for lunch, and I was telling him the story, and suddenly he says, I think we might be able to help you. I said, how? He said, well, I've just come back from Pakistan. My friend is the pastor of the Pakistan's largest church, 26,000 people. And he said, uh, they've just established the world's number one Christian internet TV channel. And he's looking for British preachers and teachers. He said, maybe we should record a couple of programs and send it over to them. So I said, sure. Well, A couple of days later, I'm in London in a conference and I've just finished preaching from alignment for assignment and a lady walks up to me from Nigeria. She just hands me a card, big... She walks in like a general, you know, just stuffs this card in. That message needs to go right around the world. So I picked up my book and I said, that's right, that's why it's printed, so you can buy some for your friends. And she said, no, brother, we're no... I'm talking about way bigger than that. She said, we need to put it on television so it could go all around the world. And in that little gap of window, we went from 50 to 150 nations. And we had bona fide invitations all over the world. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to start an internet TV channel. You need to start and have your own TV studio. (laughs) <laughs>
0: mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shit, TV still? I don't know anything about TV, I've been on it but I've never <laughs> So I told Gwen, we were driving someone, I told Gwen what the Lord had just told me and she said well, How much is that going to cost, honey?
0: <laughs>
2: Isn't it funny? If God speaks, he's telling you he's going to provide he won't tell you to do something that he's not providing for. So if he's telling you something. You don't actually need to worry about the finances. But our, ki- our little finite brain- brains instantly kick in. And I said, I don't know. I haven't a clue. So we started researching it. And uh, my son was helping me. And so I sent out a message at the end of, a, uh, at the end of uh, just before Christmas. Sent it out to my network and, uh, and friends around the world, and, and I just said, "Would you pray?" Told them this story, and I said, "Would you pray?" Because I believe that 2018 could be the year this happens. I said, I used the word "could," could be the year this happens. Would you pray for us? Well, come January, I'm not feeling it could be. I'm knowing it will be. Hey, hey. Something has changed in those few weeks. Because the Holy Spirit is brooding on my spirit, awakening something supernaturally that's been in there ever since I was born again. It's been in there, actually, since the foundation of the earth. Because all he breathed into me was already established before he ever said, like me. And it's in me, but it's only now I'm catching up with what he said. And it's beginning to brood. It's beginning to burst. It's beginning to manifest. And I begin to get this desire to have this TV channel. And all of a sudden, I've got vision like I've never had it before. I know God wants to give us every nation on the planet. He wants me to raise up and mentor leaders in every nation on the planet for a whole year. And one believer, disciple them in every nation of the world for a whole year. And when I've done it for one, God will raise it to 10 and then it will be 100 and i'm standing there this vision is unfolding in front of me and i know that i know that i know it's going to happen i don't doubt it whatsoever because there's something of his purpose manifesting in me And I got in a plane. I flew to Belgium. I preached the weekend. And at the end, this church is a real prayer, intercession church. And they've known me for years. And I said, told them the story. I said, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me and Gwenda? Because this is right out there. And they all shouted, yes. And as they said, it, no, I said, because 2018 is going to be the year we do it. And as I said those words, boom, in my pocket, my phone began to buzz. I was receiving some texts or an email or something. And at the end of the meeting, I pulled myself over, opened my phone to see what it was, in case it was Gwenda, and there was an email. Do you remember I said to you I was in a tent crusade when a man, an evangelist pulled me out of the crowd and prophesied over me? She was in that meeting in 1977. She was a young girl. She'd found me on, she'd found me on Facebook, and she'd seen some statement where I m- linked the prayer letter to Facebook, and she'd read the prayer letter about the TV studio. And she said, "What pieces of equipment? I see you need some equipment for the TV studio. What piece of equipment do you want? Because maybe I can sew into it. I'd love to sew if I can." So I said, "Well, I don't know what piece of equipment you're talking about, but here's the list. Now we know the price." And I sent the price to her with the list. An hour later, she wrote back and she said, "Okay, I'll buy it all." <laughs> Excuse me, we've gone back to Wales because God told us to go back to Wales, but when we got back to Wales, we discovered there's only 15,000 born-again believers left in Wales. Half the nation was saved in 1904, but we've lost it all. And from Wales comes a financial miracle. Do you know what happens? That lady has opened something. She has said, I want to see God move in my country so much. I'm going to sow into what he's doing. And so she sold and she bought us the equipment. Now the equipment she bought us, we decided, well, that's the very, 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 very basic model. We can get by. We need to add to it and add to it. But that's it. We can start. One camera, one computer, one bit of editing software. We can start. Yeah, but that was our concept. That was our imagination. That's not what God was doing at all. He was about to take the lid of my imagination right off. He was about to blow out the walls of limitation. He was about to destroy my concept of what he could do. And all of a sudden, all over the world, people began to send money and began to get behind this vision until in the end, we didn't just have a basic model. We have a professional TV studio and we have suddenly found people all over the... We, there's 195 nations in the world and we now have over 70 pastors signed up ready for the TV programs to mentor them. Why? All right, And we haven't even advertised it. We've not even advertised it.
0: <laughs>
2: From a place of spiritual wilderness in Wales, God is going to water the whole earth. Why am I saying that? What's your problem? What's your problem? because I can tell you a thousand of mine, but I'd never stopped God once. Oh, it might have delayed a few things, but it never stops God. Because as long as you get up one more time than the devil knocked you down, you'll win. And I don't know why, but ever since I got born again, I just had this firm conviction He wants to use me and i want to be used by him he wants to reach the whole world isn't that crazy a young boy from the welsh valleys says i believe god can use me to reach the whole world and he is not in the ways i expected not that at that time i expected but he's doing it and I'm saying it to you because it happened in 2018 the year of confinement or the season of confinement is over Could you look at these four walls a second and this roof could you could you just prophesy to them the season of your confinement is over you won't keep me in here any longer you stand up is there something in your body that's confining you is there something in your soul your memory banks that's confining you is there something in your history that's making you feel ashamed that says God can't use me is there something in the financial realm that you keep saying to God I can't do it because of the finances It's not finances at all. Mm -hmm. It's your thought patterns that are stopping it. But he understands that. He understands you've got a damaged heart. He understands you've got a damaged concept of what he's like. But this is a year of liberty from all that can find you. And God wants to set you free. And and set you free in every area. Set you Free sets you at liberty wherever the spirit of the lord is there is liberty, liberty for it doesn't even qualify it it just says liberty liberated so you can be a liberator god wants that to happen in your life My god. age never stops you does it Hello? education can't stop you culture can't stop you stinking thinking can't I believe the anointing wants to touch you tonight. What was that song we sang earlier? Earlier? But one touch, was it? Just one touch. Hmm. I believe God wants to overshadow you, surge through you, smear his anointing on you afresh. And say 2018. <coughs> is the year I'm setting you apart. I'm setting you free and setting you apart for your ministry, for your purpose, for your function, for your destiny to start manifesting in 2018. Hello? Amen. Turn to somebody right now and say, I believe that. that. Do you believe that? Say it back. I believe that. that. I that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe it. Look at, it. I can sense it right now. I believe it. I believe it right now. My God. My God. Jesus name. Jesus name.